Hey, this is uh, Magic Artist Eric Deschamps, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! Brought to you by Good Games. Take the F out of Funfair and you get fun air. It's parkour in the park as we jump around unfair. Brace yourself for a bumper show of bumper cars with a bumper crop of finely tuned pro tips from over 90 playthroughs. There are more themes than Matt's best of Disney CD. But just like his profile pic, the attractions are pretty limited. Ah, stick a flagpole on it. This is Sevenland Hand. Unfair is a card-drafting deck management game from Good Games Publishing, and come on! It was released in 2017, and after a successful Kickstarter campaign in 2016, the game's official site boasts that much like Kristen Stewart's acting career, the campaign was fully stretched. Unfair was designed by mathematical madman Joel Finch. It's a game for two to five players and will take around 25 minutes per player. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Build the city's greatest theme park, whatever it takes. Mix your favorite themes from pirate, robot, vampire, jungle, ninja, and gangster. Build attractions. Gangsta. Gangsta. Nice gangsta. Build attractions and upgrade them to match blueprints. Stack up towering rides or simply make the most cash. But watch out. Your competitors may pay off the safety inspectors to close your rides or hire hooligans to vandalize your park. How will you get revenge? Whatever happens, it's bound to be unfair. One disclaimer before we proceed, Joel Finch is not actually a madman. However, he once won the name most likely to be a spoonerism that isn't a spoonerism award. Congratulations, Fold Ginch. <laughs> but what does it all mean to gamers? Today, fresh in from the thrill ride of their lives, I'm John by That's Not a Flagpole, Matt McHale. Did you hear me at the top there? That woohoo? Yeah, that was all me. I could do it again, if you like. Go Would on, you like do, me to do yeah, it again? Yeah, yeah. Woohoo! I'm That's back. It. That's redneck, man. You got your <laughs> you got your white boy back, and the merriest of all go rounds. It's uh, Jamie Lawrence. Did you hear me at the top there? I gave away my woohoo to, to Matt, and he seems to have run with it. He let me shine. My moment. <laughs> now, what rides of geekiness have tickled your fairness meters this month, gentlemen? Okay, uh, I'm on first. Okay, fighting over the spot. <laughs> Fantasy Flight Games announced and did all the press releases and big stuff. For the return of Legend of the Five Rings, yes. which is my favorite card game of all freaking time. <laughs> um, it's a samurai-themed game in which you can not only militarily stomp your opponents, but politic them out of the game. You can also achieve spiritual enlightenment by doing all sorts of funny tricks. It's just its the most engaging and grossing game in the history of card gaming. And... <laughs> To make things better, the players of the game actually influence the story that unfolds across the, the cards and the expansion and the fiction and everything. And when, when if does... you win a major tournament with, you know, the Crab Clan, then good things happen for the Crab Clan. And where does the Olympics come into it? <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough, they told, the, they told the makers of the game in 2001 that they had to change the logo because it was too similar to the Olympics. <laughs> And the Usain, the Usain Bolt uh, image on the front of the box, that's, come on, man, they're stretching it there. <laughs> Dressed up as a samurai, mind you. Yeah. Usain Bolt is a samurai. Look, I am super happy this week about yeah. hearing that L5R is coming I back. I saw that. I saw that release. I love it so much. Yeah. I, I saw, when I saw it, I was excited for you, actually. I immediately thought, oh, Jamie's going to love this. And uh, I read through the press release and I read through the, what the stuff they've got, um, the articles they've got on Fantasy Flight's website. And yeah, that got me enthused and interested as well. It looks like 
it looks like there's a lot of elements, a lot of things going on there, and, and uh, I think I'm looking forward to it coming out. I know this is Week in Geek, but I almost feel like yelling nerds at you two. It's like reading <laughs> press releases? Come on. Oh, look, you might <laughs> say that now, but if we show you some of the art, David, you'll yeah. flip over this game. All right, it's, good it's stuff. always um, been top quality. <laughs> I'm going to expand this press release bubble by uh, putting it out there, Fallout... Wasteland Warfare. <laughs> Check these notes. I did. Miniatures I had to. game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the new miniatures game from uh, Modifius. Modifius, I think it is. Modifius. Uh, yeah, which has, it's not gone to, there's nothing beyond uh, just a, a picture of some minis and a short thing that says things are coming soon, but uh, it looks I, awesome. I actually dug up some details on this one. Oh, um, good. Uh, proper so research. the initial release is based on Fallout 4. Uh, but there's planning subsequent releases that tackle stuff from Fallout's three through one. Excellent. Um, and they're they're like Games Workshop minis uh, that you, they come unpainted and unassembled, and you have to put them together yourself and do things. Yeah. But they're apparently planning to put out a starter box that that comes pre-assembled and all ready to go. And the um, and the press release uh, had said something about it's uh, it's competitive, it's co-op, it's campaign, it's it's, it's everything, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sounds really cool. I, I like Fallout. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm pu- putting it out there right now. I think, you know, I was right into uh, The Walking Dead uh, All Out War when that came oh, out. Yeah. And I'm still into I thought that, that was going to be my big thing. Uh, but then once I've seen this, I think this is going to be my new big thing. Walking Dead. I really like The All Out War. That's so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I've um yeah cause I've I've got that now I've gotten to a little bit of a bolt action but this I think you do a bolt action I'm uh, just starting it oh I didn't know this yeah. was I didn't know this would occur uh, something, something I did uh, arranged with uh, you've done with this Daniel. behind the pods back yeah I have my goodness <laughs> but the thing is I I don't know if uh, Medifius is renowned for doing kickstarters I am I think I know some of their RPGs because they're primarily an RPG mostly RPGs they've actually yeah. got a They've got a Star Trek RPG coming later this yes. year that looks really exciting too. I signed up for a playtest for that. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And they said, "I the think it might Matt be McHale I... from Seven Land Hand." That's of course. right. They did, and then they, they said, "Sorry, it's closed." <laughs> I think it might actually be closed. So I might have got in a little bit too late on that one. But uh, yeah, no, sorry for getting you excited about that, yeah. listener. Yeah. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of Star Trek, coming. Yes. Speaking of Star Trek, Doctor Who came back this week, and uh, it's really, really good. What did it come it's back good. on? ABC, I guess. Yeah, on, on it's on iView as well, uh, so you can oh, catch it up. But, the uh, latest series. Yeah, they're two episodes into the new season, and they've both been really sort of science fiction horror-themed yeah. uh, ones. There was this really creepy one with this chick who got turned into a puddle of water and was hunting people through time. It was cool. <laughs> okay. Um, is Peter, has Peter Capaldi been replaced yet? Yeah, of course. No, not yet. They, oh, he's haven't. here he's... for the rest of this season. I thought they just did a season and then they, they flicked him off and they became another another generation. Are they no, going... no, no, no. They're, they're talking about it now because he's recorded his regeneration scene, but that doesn't happen until the end of this oh. season. So yeah. we still have another, I think, 12 episodes with him. Okay. I, I really like him. He's such a great, grumpy old doctor. But is it right that they're going to go back again and cast a younger actor again? Well, they haven't said. Everyone's oh. betting pools are still open. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, interesting. Watch this space, I guess. Well, not this space. Watch <laughs> another space for that information. One of the um, really nice things about this is that, um, I, don't, I don't know if you've been through this, David, but, but my son is at this age now where he's 
he wants to get into to horror movies and uh, and and scary stuff because he's you know he's listened to some HP uh, podcraft with me and uh, you know he's, he's read a couple of, of the early safe Lovecraft stories and that sort of thing. Safe. So he's, they're all yeah, safe he, except he for likes, ones with the racial talk. Sort of thing. <laughs> so he wants to get into it, but I don't want to you know throw him into horror movies. So Doctor Who's in the right space for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember watching. I you know I watched the Tom Baker Doctor yes. Who. And then I think I was kind of, I never watched Tom, after that I didn't watch any of it. No, we started on the next one, then I sort of immigrated and it wasn't cool. Or, you know, I was, I was trying to uh, meld myself into a different socio-cultural <laughs> thing. Uh, so I haven't got back into it. Although David Tennant being on it really makes me feel like I should get back into it. And I was definitely, a, I was definitely a, a baker, a Tom Baker Whoite. Mm. And then I sort of lost it after that. And then, yep, jumped back in when David Tennant was there. Dropped back out after that, and then got back in when Peter Capaldi started. So I was so no, into Tom Baker that when he started doing, that when he started doing, or even numbered doctors, Matt. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like a Star Wars, uh, yeah. a Star Trek um, theme. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I was so into Tom Baker that when uh, he started doing the narration over Little Britain, I actually thought Little Britain was the new Doctor Who theory, series. So. <laughs> Small mistake that a lot of us have made. His no. voice is so recognisable, isn't it? He's yeah, been yeah. in. Uh, Star Wars Rebels and uh, what else was he oh, in recently? Well, not recently, but he did. Uh, he was on Blackadder at one yeah, point. Yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> was he? He was. Well, the original He's... one with um... with Tom Damon Baker. Wayans. Yeah, <laughs> with Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans was in the D and D movie. Damon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, one of the Wayans brothers was in the D and D movie. Anyway, oh. listeners, don't look directly into this conversation. It might blind you. <laughs> hey, look, I said I had nothing for Week in Geek, but I'd realise that I do. There's been a lot of action on Kickstarter with a lot of uh, pledge managers coming out. Yeah. So just in case you're not up to speed and you followed some of the stuff that I've followed, uh, I've got, I'm, I've, <laughs> I followed GKR Heavy Hitters. That's a giant killer robot. Yes. Yeah. Now, I followed that by accident because my, uh, my 12-year-old son was about to have some blood taken and he was panicking, <laughs> shitting bricks. So what I did, got in a Kickstarter and I said, should we buy this? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, ah, distraction worked. And it cost me like about 250 bucks. I was going to say, that's an expensive bit yeah, of blood. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what happened? It's, it's, what made it worse was that within, the, within 24 hours... Uh, World of Smog, The Rise of Moloch, yeah. the, um, the, the next cool mini or not box of minis. I uh, pledged, I followed that despite everyone telling me not to. Uh, both pledge matters came out the same weekend. And so I topped them up and, you know, added all the extras in, got sucked in. So then I had to apologize to the wife saying, look, there might be some money coming out to all these different places. <laughs> and it seems like it's for games and it is. Um, so but but was one bit, was to placate uh, the young fellow while he was having blood I did, drawn. I, I reminded her of that story, so she was cool with it. Uh, and, um, yeah, I th- I'm, I'm thinking of doing a post, uh, maybe keep an eye out for this on our Facebook page, where I'll just, just screenshot your, um, your Kickstarter recently funded stuff page. I mean, that could yeah. be embarrassing if there's, I don't know what else you can fund. No, but there could but, be some very interesting stuff there. Yeah, so I, I, for me at the moment, I've got giant killer robots, world of, world of smog, I've got the Cthulhu Premium Bus Statue. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got... I don't know why I did this, but I've got the Call of Cthulhu Metal Die Set. Uh, rounding out the six, I've got Infected. I don't know why. It's just a trader card game okay. that I saw, and I got it. I got the, I got the two-to-four-player version as well. I bought two sets because I was thinking of including you in a game, Matt. Oh, um, well, <laughs> thinking about it. Let's... And then, of course, Tim Fowles. It's still going as we record. Oh, it's five all... hours. Five yeah, hours to go. Oh, so by the time this is out, no one can jump on That's it. It's hardback. Hardback, the yeah. prequel to Hardback Paperback. Hardback looks amazing. Yeah. 
So um, international listeners, I'd really like all of you to jump onto our Facebook page <laughs> and tell me what you thought when David said shitting bricks. it's hard to eat it's hard to eat shit uh hard to eat shit (laughs) jesus forget (laughs) it's It's um, a very australian saying it's that kind of nine it's hard to eat walls the um yeah no i've been off the kickstarter bandwagon for a little bit i've got um yeah you just stoked my fire you go oh this is out in kickstarter and i go well i can't can't walk away so i end up jumping oh i'm definitely gonna pledge for this one this one's gonna be mine i'm gonna get this one and then when it comes here i go no i don't really want that do you want it matt no i passed (laughs) on it i heard there was something wrong with uh one of the minis so i'm saying like when it arrives in the mail and i don't want it i'll just give it to you yeah and i'll be yeah then you'll be like oh yeah but uh i'm trying really hard to stay away from Kickstarter at the moment, but they've got the most amazing-looking re-edition of Brass coming out, which is a famous old Martin Wallace game. Yeah, um, it's been yeah. Bra- top twenty-five for forever. Is it? Is yeah. it Brass Lancaster? So yeah, Brass Lancaster is the original, but they've yeah, also got a, uh, an expansion standalone sequel thing attached to it as well. Yeah. So it, it looks fantastic, but I'm trying really hard not to back it. Foreign listeners, did he say brass or bras? <laughs> Jump on Facebook, tell us. But, uh, but looking at my recent back, back projects, I've got hardback. I've got uh, Gloomhaven 2nd Edition, Rising Sun, no, and yeah. uh, Blood Rage Shadows in Japan. Stone, Forbidden Fortress, and Deep Madness that I'm waiting for. Deep Madness looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, this... The Abyss with Cthulhu. This war of mine is getting closer and closer. They've been really... In fact, this is one of the uh, Awakened Realms and uh, 11-Bit Studios, uh, one of the best uh, Kickstarter... That's the one I'm upset I missed this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, They've been the best at keeping up with their their media and their releases. Um, I think they're up to like number 42, something like that, keeping you abreast of how the project's going. And, you know, every time they, your interest starts to wane, they bring you in with some photos of something that's just been done. And this week has been the tray insert. Hey, hey we've got <laughs> so crazy So when you start seeing pictures insert. of a tray insert, you know that thing's coming soon. Hey, and we've got them lined up. We're going to have a chat with them when, when yeah, that comes yeah, out. Yeah, Jacob, yep, yep. Oh, cool. Look forward to that one. Yep. All right, I've got one last Week in Geek thing before we move on. Sure. And that is, if you ever want to feel simultaneously inspired for every role-playing game you ever want to play again and humbled at how tiny life is. Well, I just went and saw the Egyptian mummies exhibit that's at the the Sydney Powerhouse Museum. And it was just amazing. Just in time for Arm and Cat. (laughs) All these people's lives recreated thousands of years later and these surviving artifacts and tiny pieces and mummies that we've, you know, CAT scanned and, and x-rayed and done things to to find out what's inside without opening them. It's just I, like, and it's a were, revelation. To and they were all role-playing, is that what you're saying? recreated <laughs> for us in a museum thousands of years later. I'd like to do that. I'd like to go to a museum where there's a, an awesome exhibit and do a role-play session in there. You know, <laughs> that would be really themed, cool. Yeah, you know. But even but, just looking at these people's stories, the way they've been recreated and, and you're told, you know, what their lives were like, gives you so much inspiration for, oh, my God, that could totally be a game. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I thought you were going to say, oh, oh, my God, I could totally be a mummy. All this lying around, you don't have to put a lot of effort in, you kind of get wrapped <laughs> up in bandages and shit, <laughs> and they do the, do make you a nice box. 
I could totally do yeah, that. It's a very nice box. Like it's six boxes in some cases. Yeah. Were you tempted just to walk up while no one was looking and open up one of those sarcophagi? And, and lick their they, face they to see what a mummy tastes oh, like. Oh, they're already opened. Oh, <laughs> oh well. Unwrap a mummy. Seven line hand unboxing. What's inside this mummy? <laughs> <laughs> that would be our. I think that would be our best and last uh, unboxing. As oh, we are then only some of us are... because the curse would get us right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that or we'll end up in uh, Risden or something. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that, that was Week in Geek. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's get off and do some unfair. <laughs> Win unfair yeah. by win oh shit win 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 unfair by commenting on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode ninety two. Whoa! At facebook.com forward slash Sevenland Hand. We'll Facebook. Announce, we'll announce last month's winner of Arkham Horror the card game a bit later in Neats and Twos. This month to draw a winner, Good Games HQ went off all their medications, waited for the visual disturbances to begin, then chose the winner from the haze of faces in the delirium. That's commitment. That, that's a novel way of choosing a winner. That's how HQ rolls. Wow. And every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, it will be unfair. Well, it won't be. It will be chosen fairly, yeah. but unfair <laughs> is the... Uh, yeah. While stocks last, Sevenland Hand listeners can get 10% off unfair at every Good Games store south of Santa's Fun Park. That means really north. <laughs> Anything south of that includes all Good Games stores. Just unwrapping that one for you, listener. Just pull you can up find out- one north of Santa's Fun Park. We'll give you an extra percent off. That's true, yeah. Just pull up outside your nearest good game store in your finest roller coaster car and state this month's password, gentlemen. Helter Skelter! Sing it, though. Sing it. Nah. Go back to the bottom and... No, back to the top. How does it go? I can't remember. Damn it. I'm letting For my own self down. All of May, you can say... Helter Skelter! Helter Skelter! Yeah, and that's while stocks last. Okay, now on with the show. Interview. Interview. All right. What, you've, what you found? What you found yourself involved in now, listener, is uh, we're about to listen to an, an interview which uh, Jamie's just done with uh, Unfair's game designer Joel Finch. Uh, you, you've just you've just pretty much come off doing this now, haven't you, Jamie? Yeah, pretty much right before the pod. So there you go. It's fresh. It's, it's fresh. It's it's. it's, it's I was going to say it's steaming, but it's the opposite Still of crispy. Yeah, crispy. That's what it is. So um, fresh that the sound of you listening to that interview will be the sound of us also listening to that interview. It will be. Um, is there anything that we need to know before we go into this, Jamie? You know, is it you know, is there a classification we need to consider? Do we need seat belts? Do we need clown outfits? Anything like that? Do we need a rating? <laughs> uh, look, all you really need to know is that. Um, Unfair is a game where you're building a theme park and trying to make that theme park work better than other people's theme parks, sometimes through illicit methods. All right. And we'll get right into that in the review after this interview. So, uh, yeah, strap yourself in, fellas and girls and clowns. Anyone else? That's a lot. Let's do it. Let's go, ninjas. Okay. Hi, listeners. I'm talking to Joel. He is the designer of Unfair and an international man of mystery. This is going to be a very strange interview because both Joel and I did some work on the game. Joel designed it and I play tested it. Um, but everyone else was busy and we ran out of budget and the movie had to be finished anyway. So this is the interview you're getting. Um, let's jump straight into it. Joel, which came first? The chicken of Unfair's name or the egg of its gameplay? And how did the two become good friends? Well, I initially had the idea to do a game based on amusement parks. Uh, I like the idea of building attractions and building them up. 
Um, but initially, it was just called Joel's Board Game for the very first version. <laughs> uh, I wanted to have uh, not just the fun part of, uh, of building the park, but also some of the business aspects, uh, dealing with competitors, having to keep your rides open, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and even right from the start, the game always had some abilities that could affect other players. So the name Unfair came along pretty quickly and it kind of stuck. Did you play with a lot of Lego as a kid? It strikes me that you probably did. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> okay, so how long did it take to create Unfair? And what was your original design brief for the game? Um, it's been about six years. It started out as a spare time project about six years ago. Um, at the time, I was playing uh, board games with friends uh, and my wife, and uh, we played Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, um, Power Grid, I think, Citadels. Uh, and they're all great games, don't get me wrong, but I found that I wanted something that was, had a bit more a replay, I guess. A bit, it was a bit different when we played them again. So I decided that I would try making something that, um, that changed, that had a bit, of, bit more replayability uh, each time we came back to it. Uh, so the, the basic rules were the same, but the exact features would change you know, as, as we came back to replay them. Uh, but mainly what I wanted was just to make something that was fun for me and my friends to play after dinner, um, something that we could play over and over without wearing out our, our interest in it. Awesome. Um, I'm pretty uh, sure you got there. And one thing that one thing that spurred it a little bit was my wife, Kate, wasn't much interested in playing Magic. It just didn't <laughs> suit her. Uh, so I was kind of looking for some way that I could sneak in some cards with powers, you know, and some combos. Uh, and, and try and make something that had the, the stuff that I love from Magic that, that she would actually play with me. <laughs> wow, the stealth board game design. I love it. <laughs> All right, can you walk me through the process of creating and testing an unfair theme pack? Uh, for the initial packs, uh, I looked at what was popular at the time. So Pirates of the Caribbean had a movie coming out every other year, and... Uh, Vampire movies were everywhere as well. Uh, I looked at the rides that you can see in Disneyland. Um, so you, the, the jungle theme, for example, is inspired by some of the rides that you'll see at Disney. Um, and I tried to pick out stuff that I wouldn't get sued for. It's <laughs> always a good call. Um, so for the expansions, after the, the, the base themes that we did, the expansions, we, we picked out some themes that we thought would fit quite well. Uh, I looked at things then that were commonly associated with that theme. Uh, I look at what other rides and attractions are, are out in the world that people might already know. Uh, and then I try and convert those themes into real differences in the game, some sort of mechanical difference uh, between one pack and the next, so that you get a, a change in how the game plays with that pack included. Um, so to give you an example, the Alien Pack has a focus on super technology. Everything's better than, than we can make on Earth. Uh, so they have powers that nothing else has. And there's abducting staff members. And it has its own completely separate currency that it adds to the game so that you can buy their alien stuff. Uh, and there's a question in the background of whether they're, they're here to help or whether they just want to invade and eat us. <laughs> Um, the, the packs uh, each have a basic structure that they have to follow. Uh, we need a certain number of attractions of different types, uh, upgrades of different types, a couple of staff. Um, so we have to follow that, that certain structure so that the, the packs can fit together 
um, and we come up with ideas for uh, from the stereotypes of, of aliens in this case that, that fit those cards. Um, once the pack is built in its rough form, we play it. We've got a couple of very long-suffering playtesters, the, the people that we were playing with six years ago, uh, and we play it with them many times, tune it up until it, it flows, until it works, uh, and then it goes out to a larger group of internal testers and finally out to blind playtesting. If they're still playing with you after six years, it's a pretty good testament to the game, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm very grateful. They, they tell me they still enjoy it. <laughs> so, how did you come to the decision to use Mr. Cuttington as the game's artist? Well, that was easy. I asked them and they said yes. <laughs> was there any other candidates? Did they just <laughs> shine out at you? I started out, uh, I looked through Board Game Geek uh, at the artist portfolios there, uh, and I picked out a few uh, that had a style that I thought might suit. Um, I knew that we were going to need characters to show the people in the park, uh, so good drawing skills were needed, but also that we would need some hard mechanical objects as well uh, for the rides in the buildings and particularly the roller coaster tracks. Uh, so it was hard actually to find someone who had skills in people and skills in mechanical at the same time. Could find lots of people who were good at, or specialised in one or the other. Um, but Mr. Cuttington um, had examples of both. And they had some artwork there from Steampunk Rally at the time, which had machines as well as crazy inventor characters, and that was perfect. Awesome. It's always nice when you happen on that right combination. Yeah, they were brilliant. So how much of the humour in the game came from you in the design brief and how much was added after you saw the art that they had come up with? Uh, if you're prepared to call it humour, then most of it's mine. <laughs> I, I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted early on, so the the uh, card titles and the flavour texts are mostly me, um, and some of the flavour text was revised a lot. I never would have thought that I would spend three hours writing one sentence in my life, but some of them were tweaked that much. <laughs> it, um... uh, and the art only actually came much later in the process. We actually used just stock photos uh, for the cards during the initial testing. So most of the detail of the cards was worked out before we started on illustrations. There's a lot of, there's um, a lot of Easter eggs in the game. Sorry? Sorry, there's a lot of Easter eggs in the game as well, aren't there? Yes. Lots of little references, things that you can spot if you look across all the cards. Um, I had some specific ideas, like uh, the Powerful Friends card shows the mayor being blackmailed, um, so that went in the brief. Or the Lost and Found attendant is a, a person-shaped space in the scene, um, so that, and they were able to produce those for me perfectly. Um, for other cards, I'd give them a general description of what I need, and I always I get back something that's better than I, I could have expected. Um, there was one in particular that I, I enjoyed, um, which was the reconfigure card, which uh, consists of a, a robot that's been built out of a vending machine, an information kiosk, uh, an air conditioner, and some robot arms. And they did it beautifully. Just came out perfect. I loved it. Yeah, when we first got that card's piece of art back, I made it my uh, my avatar on Facebook for a very long time. It's, it's yes. fantastic. Um, all right, so if our listeners looked you up on Board Game Geek, they could be forgiven for thinking that Unfair was your first gaming rodeo, but that's not actually the case, is it? No. Um, 
I've been making games for about 25 years on and off, um, mostly computer games. Uh, straight out of uni, I worked with some friends to make some computer pinball games. Um, I don't know whether people have heard of Balls of Steel, but that was us. Uh, had a Duke Nukem table of all things. And we did Devil's Island, we did some licensed properties like uh, KISS, the band KISS and Austin Powers. Uh, and later we did some uh, downloadable casual games, Tumblebugs was the biggest one of those. Um, and I also wrote, uh, in, in my youth I wrote a couple of text adventure games and I, I even wrote a, a book in the style of Steve Jackson's Fighting Fantasy. I don't know if people remember those. Oh, I love, love those books, I grew up on them. Yeah. <laughs> I mapped the whole thing out and I sent it off to Penguin and had it professionally rejected and everything. Hey, professional rejection. That's what we like to hear. Um, so I've been making games for a while. Unfair is my first board game, but I've certainly been been working on games for quite some time. Yeah, it's um, I, I, if it had been your first board game, I would have been amazingly surprised. Oh, it is your first board game, sorry. If it had been your first yes. game, I would have been amazingly surprised because it is so insanely polished. Uh, and that's before we got, a, got our hands on it. Um, you were very active in the Kickstarter campaign, and a number of the answers that you gave to people's questions, compared, coupled also with the teaser cards that people got in the campaign, um, have made it clear that there's a bit of a roadmap for Unfair's future. How many new theme packs are currently under construction? Well, we have a goal to fill the whole alphabet. So technically everything from aliens to zombies. <laughs> But actively being worked on is probably about five packs at the moment. Uh, and we tuck ideas away for later ones as well. So there's a file that has uh, every every card concept that we come up with just gets written in, tucked away. And we sort them, um, try and associate them together so that they fit mechanically or thematically with that pack. Uh, and and they'll get used when that pack's being worked on. So the, the sneak peek cards that were included with the Kickstarter are probably the best guide for people to what they could expect to see sooner rather than later. And those were aliens, zombies, medieval, western dinosaurs and hackers. And um, what can you tell us about the mysterious eye deck? <laughs> I can tell you nothing. There will never be an eye theme in Unfair. <laughs> that sounds like a conspiracy to me. Um, are we likely to see your? You that. <laughs> are we likely to see your name on the box of any other games in the future, Joel? I think it's a pretty good bet you'll see it on some expansions. I hope so. <laughs> but uh, not... I have a couple of other ideas uh, tucked away, but nothing really to talk about yet. Um, I tend to focus on, on one thing at a time, so I've I've still got a lot uh, a lot in my head for unfair. There's definitely a lot of space left to play in. Yeah. All right, so the last question I'm going to ask you, this is the, the question that we always ask our interviewees on Seven Land Hand. Um, how do you organise your board games on the shelf? Kallax, of course. Lots of <laughs> Ikea shelves. But but what order do you put them in? For example, I play oh. I play Tetris with mine. Uh, I know that uh, we have one of our, one of our guys organises them by colour. Well, it's mostly upright, um, <laughs> e even with the component shift that happens that way. Um, it's large boxes at the top and smaller boxes at the bottom. I don't have, uh, they're not filed alphabetically. 
<laughs> Sound well big at the top and small at the bottom is a system. If it works for you, all good. It does. Alright, look, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me, Joel. It's um it's been a pleasure to play Unfair this month. It's our game of the month and we're reviewing it on the show and uh, it's been an even bigger pleasure to be part of the game's production over time. So thank you. No, thank you. It's been great. Unfair. 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 So that was Jamie talking with uh, Joel uh, just recently and having a nice interview with the game's designer of Unfair, which is our month of game. Game, of, game the of, month. of the month. Um, Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter, all that. Um, so let's let's just jump into it. Let's start talking about the actual game. Well, Matt, what is uh, what's the narrative so of the game? The game is basically you need to create the world's or the city's greatest theme park. Yep. Uh, we're all theme park owners, and we want to construct uh, the most enjoyable, most entertaining, most attractions, attraction, well, the most attractions, attractive yeah. um, a theme park. In, for uh, everyone to come and enjoy, that's that's pretty simple. That's it. That's yeah. The objective is tied very close to that. Uh, you need to be able to build the highest scoring uh, theme park by the end of eight rounds. So, it's yeah, so you got you got eight rounds where you're collecting coins, which is like the yeah. fee that people pay to to get into your yep. your theme park. Attracting, which is represented by attracting people to the park. Yeah. So the the coins they're not money per se, but they are. Visitors to the park, and 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 they all translate as, as many other games translate into victory points by yeah. the end by the end of it. Yep, uh, and you can do that with uh, attra- with using attractions, blueprints, uh, the coins convert into victory points. Yes, some of the cards from particular some of the different decks yeah. that we'll get into, uh, they have victory points attached to them, like That's the, right. the assistants and people like that. Lots of hidden uh, points, lots of end of scoring stuff. So there's, in typical, I have to say, in typical Euro style, there's lots of opportunities to score points. And uh, mm. the, the actual total is unknown until you get to that final round. The, the big point of this Euro style is that there's a, there's a pad in there with a pencil for you to add all that stuff <laughs> That's up. That's it. <laughs> mm. All right, Jamie, so what does it look like on the table and when, you, when you've cracked the box, you've set it up, what are you looking at? Well, there's a nice double-sided board inside. Uh, on one side, you've got... Uh, Everything laid out for two players, so it's all facing you on one side of the table. On the mm-hmm. other side, it's alternating so that players on each side of the table can uh, can get at things in the in the park market. But what if you want to play with one other person, but you don't want to sit next to them? I think you're allowed to do it either way, Matt. I don't think that there's any rules <laughs> in the game about how you orient okay. the board. That's how we played <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> You get a comprehensive guide to building and operating a tabletop unfair. Oh, sorry, funfair. <laughs> yeah, um, the F dropped off. The, the rule book is actually it's pretty cute. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of nice little side comments and uh, post-it notes and scribbly comments, which are a bit snide about the rules themselves, and it's uh, all yes. the cheap stuff. Yeah, like the, the starting player, how does that decide? Uh, shotgun. Player, first person to yell shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's Matt next time we play. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> got a couple of uh, a couple of summaries of uh, the round sequence, the score, the different uh, symbols in the game, and what they mean. And you get six decks of cards, uh, which are broken up into several parts. Every deck has uh, a topper, which tells you a little bit about the deck and how it works. 
Uh, a couple of super attractions, a main gate, a loan card, a rules summary, some event cards, uh, which at the start of the game you need to get eight of them, one for every round. Uh, so you take all of the all of the positive ones, the funfair cards, and all of the negative ones, the unfair cards, shuffle them in their separate decks, and then you'll put four funfair ones on top and four unfair ones on bottom. This has a great um, thing where things are all going your way, everything's fun, and then all of a sudden it turns on you for the last four rounds. So first four rounds, everything's great. That's right. Thematically, that's, uh, that's the city that you're in, realising that they can cash in on your, your funfair endeavour. <laughs> and, and, um, and never before has the, uh, the, the, the company's name Cool Mini or not been more appropriate to this game because it actually it is singular, Cool Mini. It's not, it you know, it's never Cool yeah. Minis or not. You do get a Cool Mini, that's it. which is a whole bunch of excited people in a roller coaster car. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your round marker. Yeah, that's very yeah. sweet. Every deck's also got some event cards, which you can uh, play on other people. Some blueprints, which will score your points if you can get all the things you need. Which, which, is, which is the mechanic that we always refer to as the, the tickets, ticket to ride yeah. uh, goal sort of thing. You know, get you on board. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, and a whole bunch of park cards, which are the attractions and upgrades that you can staff that you're going to build into your park. It's also a score pad and two dice, which are only used if you're going to use the the uh, gangster deck. But uh, yeah, we never used we never used the dice. That's what no. got us. We, Matt and I got through two playthroughs thanks to Arm and Cat and. A 24-hour uh, play event, which is probably coming up this weekend. Well, let's not, <laughs> let's not dwell on that. But also, Jamie, you've got a, you've got a bag of uh, a bag chips. Of tokens. Yeah. Yep, with money and randomizers and all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, uh, Hypno-stair counters. They, they only come yep. up every once every while, don't they? Yeah, so there's, there's one guy in the game who's a hypnotist. He can... Uh, he can hypnotise other staff members into doing his bidding, but only once, and then they become immune to it. <laughs> so you, put a, you put a hypno counter on to show that you've hypnotised that person. There's also lots of uh, denominations of um, visitors to your park. So there's uh, all different shapes the tokens are as well. So they denote how many visitors you get. And the great thing is, is we... Uh, had a little bit of a competition to see who could get the next step up, you know, who could, who could get the 25, you know, who could get the, the next one up from that, which is 50 or whatever. Coins. Yeah. Well, yeah, so coins. I guess we should yeah. talk a little bit about the actual yeah. mechanic workings of the game. Um, so that makes a little oh, bit more be, sense. I know, I'm just saying to, it was a bit of a, a yeah. uh, before you competition. Get that, there's a couple of cool, a couple of cool uh, reference cards. You've got a small uh, reference card and you've got like two larger ones as well that uh, – Give you the uh, yeah. attraction types, which, and we'll talk about icons in a minute if we remember, um, and that they spell them out for you really nice and give you another round sequence reference as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do we play it? Where do we start? Well, we start up. We start up. With go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I see. See how uh, I think this is another game where where we we are quite. Uh, excited by it. I think we've all had pretty positive play experiences. So, uh, Jamie, you've had a lot of experience with this game, being a play tester and all. Uh, and David and I Lesser. had less so, <laughs> much less. <laughs> and me, the only my introduction to this game was literally uh, a for, uh, just over a fortnight ago. So, uh, I think immediately once we pulled it out, got all the components uh, in their piles and things like that. There was that air of you're building a tableau, 
and it starts with the main gate. Yeah. So everybody has an entrance gate, and that is really good in that it gives some base ground rules for everybody. Uh, the number of people your park can attract, the uh, uh, some specific the number of rules. You yeah. To it. That's it. And and, and and before you go further, a shout out to Mr. Cuttington who uh, you know John reference because yeah. that's one of the first things that does strike your eye as you un- unwrap this. And Mr. Cuttington is actually two people, as well. Look that up on the internet. <laughs> Husband no. and wife team. Yeah. Wonderful artists. Yeah. So, yeah, you're building a tableau, Matt. Yeah, so the main gate is the thing, the park entrance. Everyone's got one. And aside to that, the first, the other couple of things you have out in front of you straight away are the loan card. Yeah. So uh, throughout the game, you get opportunities to take out a loan, borrow some money from the bank. But they don't require you to pay it back straight away. You pay it back at the end in... Uh, negative victory points. Negative victory points. So it's not one of those things where, oh, I'm just going to take a small loan and then I'm going to pay it back and it'll all be good. Nope. The more you borrow, the more you're going to pay at the end. And I remember you saying, Jamie, that... Uh, and I certainly did this on my first playthrough, uh, which was a, about a year ago, um, that people were hesitant about using the loan cards, but it's probably definitely something you should jump into and, and use quite a lot. Is that still a consistent thought? Pro tip number one for yeah. the game. <laughs> Let somebody else be the first one to take a loan, but once they do, don't hesitate to take your loans. Um, so you can get up to uh, 20 extra coins, mm. uh, which is which is a decent chunk of cash in this game, um, by using your, your four loans, each of which is worth negative 10 points. Uh, but once your opponent's done that, you might as well do it yourself. Uh, you could argue, arguably, you can say, oh, but I'll be ahead in points if they lose 40. Let me tell you, if they spend those 20 coins right, they're going to make that 40 and some more back. Yeah. Uh, so don't be scared to take your loans is the important message. But but wait, because if you're the first, you might go ahead and lose your 40 victory points and they sit there doing nothing and you, yeah, you could be at a disadvantage there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying... Play your cards right. If you think you can make money off it, like, by all means, do it. Yeah. There's certainly uh, no reason to shy away from being ruthless in this game, I don't think. Um, yeah, well, one that's... of the things that, that we have built into the game uh, is there are some game-changer cards that, from the very start, you can basically say, oh, we're going to play a nicer game this time, or we're going to be super cutthroat this time. Um, the default mode of the game is is that there is a bit of take that. I mean, it's, it's right there on the box. It's called unfair, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, the, the essential gameplay, there is a round... Oh, sorry, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through... Yeah, I think go way, through a round. Yeah, yeah. So the first, you've got in front of you, you've got your main gate entrance, you've got uh, two showcase cards, which are your premium rides, things that you aspire to put into your park. But the thing is, you can only have one of them. So there are two, but you can only choose one. I think we just and decided... And you can only to... build them after you've got... A few stars worth of attractions in your That's park, it. anyone? Did, did we just decide to go through a, uh, a, 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 a casual round? A casual round, yeah. And then Matt just jumped in the show. The scene, I, no, just, <laughs> just to say what's there. So <laughs> that's that's what you start with. So you've got in front of you, before you get into the casual round, before it starts, Yeah, yeah. you've got yep, your yep. main gate, you've got your showcase cards, and you've got your uh, 20 coins. And, and a starting hand. And a starting hand of five cards. Yeah. And then you're off. Now, All right. round one. Jamie, what do we do? Okay. So, start of every turn. Everyone is going to draw an event card. Event cards split into two halves. 
They always have a top half that's beneficial to you. It's bringing extra people to your park. It's giving you discounts. It's giving you extra cash. The bottom half of those cards is always something that either protects you from the evil stuff your opponents are going to do or is evil stuff that you're going to do to your opponents. It's breaking into their parks and vandalizing them. It's sending the, the, the council in to do inspections on their safety measures. It's shortages of employees that week, meaning that they can't run their rides. It's all sorts of things that are going to hamper their development. If you're going to play true true Euro gaming, you can just play the top half of the cards, and if everyone's doing that, you're really doing that heads down, just doing your own thing, and then tally it up at the end of the night, yeah. right? But uh, and and wonder what the bottom half of that cards about. <laughs> but yeah. once somebody does it, like my my son started being nasty, then you don't even look at the top half of the card because you're going, I'm going to get this little prick yeah, back. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. And then he wonders why you're doing it. And I thought, yeah. well, you started this war, buddy. And then, and then you're playing unfair. <laughs> yeah. The so start of every turn, we're drawing an event card. Then we're looking at the city event. This is either, like we said before, the funfair event, which is a good thing for the first half of the game, or it's an unfair event, which is a bad thing for the mm. second half of the game. And these, these events affect everyone, unless they have a card that blocks that sort of event. So, for example... Uh, you might find that there is a sanitation inspection this week. And wow. anyone who can block an inspection is fine. But anyone who can't block that inspection, if there's a toilet on their ride, gets closed down for the week. No money, no income. And they're the cards at the bottom. So it's, it's intrusion. So you And you can block a certain type of, uh, whether it's injunction or intrusion or... Uh, with inspection. another ty- inspection with another type of card. The um, injunctions block injunctions, inspections, inspections, intrusions. So, yeah. And you see how the nostalgia is there in the game because everybody loves a sanitation check and everyone remembers <laughs> a toilet not working. So, boom, right in your, right in your childhood. Just to give Fairland an example. Hat, where everybody loves <laughs> a sanitation check. That's right. To give an example, Jamie, from one card, I'm not going to read them all out. Uh, and the, the thing is the event cards aren't unique to each individual theme deck. They're actually quite common across all the decks, aren't they? Isn't that right? There's to some, some of them are themed, but generally, yeah. yes, they're yeah. quite generic. So dumpster diving, for example, is the positive thing. Search the park, discard pile, choose a card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. The uh, or at the bottom there is drunken hooligans as an intrusion. Choose a guest services Upgrade in any uh, choose a guest services upgrade in any park and demolish it. So that's the bad. Okay, and so, so you're talking about the uh, the player yeah, event, the event. Cards here, which which is the next step in next step in the turn. Oh, sorry, I jumped uh, ahead. Which is where we get to play all these. I was going to say this when is just we such get a good ride. Ahead. I'm just enjoying so, this ride. I jumped straight ahead. You know, I've gone straight <laughs> to the top. And so after you've dealt with after you've dealt with the city event, you get to move into the player event phase, which is where you're playing all these events on each other. Or just playing them on yourself to get a bonus to, you know, help you through the round. Uh, And that pretty much goes, everyone can just jump in and play an event or not play an event as they see fit until everyone's passed. Yeah, and it's um, successive passes as well, isn't it? Like if you you pass and someone plays an event and it comes back to you, you can then still play an event card as like as a response to their event card. It's only when everybody passes in succession. That's right. Yeah. And and so if you've got a handful of... Yeah, go on. Sorry, go on. 
No, I was going to say. So, uh, if you've got a if you've got a fistful of event cards, three or four event cards, you know, as the game progresses, um, you can sit there playing event card after event card after event card. So it's not like poker, where if you don't decide not to ante up, you're out of you're out, you fold basically. You're out of that the rest of the be- uh, the game there, aren't you? Yeah, no, you can jump back into yeah. this in, yeah. in, in this particular part yeah, of the round. Yep. Yep. Okay. After we get through the event phase, we move into the park step. Yeah. Park step. Everyone gets. Three actions, although sometimes that's increased by different things like events or staff that you've got in your park. That's it. But it only goes as far as four. You only four. ever get four if, uh, if it's going right. to get ex- extended. Yeah. Four should be the number of the counting, and the number of the counting shall be four. <laughs> Correct. Um, Never shall it go forward to five. <laughs> <laughs> Do not stop so, at three unless, of course, you're going forward to four. Yeah. So you get three actions every, uh, every round. And those actions, you've got a whole list you can pick from. The basic ones are to pay some money and build either an attraction or an upgrade on an attraction. That can come either from the park market, which is laid out on the board, or from your hand. If you don't want to build something right away, you can pick it up from the park market and put it into your hand. That's an action. If you find that you're running low on money, you can go and do a tour of your park. And you'll get a a coin for every ride, every attraction that you've got. The loose change action, hmm. and everyone rem- and everyone remembers these options from the Sesame Street classic. Uh, we'll get, you know that you know that song, the the take, build, demolish, or lose, change, take. You know that one? <laughs> it's, it's like Joel's taking it straight out of the street. You know, Sesame Street. Well, that's a thing right itself. You can also draw some park cards from the top of the park deck. Keep one of them. You draw two. Keep one. Uh, you can. Discard a card from your hand to draw five and keep one. The reason that you do those things is if you're digging for something specific, like yeah. if you knew that you were looking for a quality upgrade, for example. Like if the city has asked you, has said anybody, you know, the, that particular round, there's a bonus for having something on one of your attractions. That, that's something we noted. Yeah, or maybe just an open restaurant mm. and get you bonus coins for a round. Sometimes. Let's say you've got a blueprint there and all you need to do the pop the blueprint is to get a, uh, an air conditioning unit. Then you can go diving for it. Sure. That's right. Yeah. So blueprints uh, are, one, are another type of card that you can draw as an action. You draw two, you keep either one or none if you want to. What they do is they say at the end of the game, if you've managed to build the things that it says on the blueprint, and I'll grab an example here just to spice things up. So backup systems. You get 25 points if you can build a thrill ride with a feature upgrade, and then any other thrill ride with a, with a feature upgrade. You can also get a bonus 12 points if you can get any two identical guest services upgrades into play in your park. But that's the bonus target? That's the bonus target. So that's the that's bonus a cool target, feature, that. The bonus target you can only get if you get the first one. But, uh, you know, potentially that's 27 points off that blueprint action, which is pretty big. And for young players, it tells you with a stamp down the bottom whether it's a, a difficult, medium, or easy uh, blueprint to achieve as well. That's right. Very the tricky helpful. part is lose 10 points for every blueprint you don't complete by the end of the game. So you mm. can't just sit there drawing them all through the first few turns and hoping for the best. That's it. So it's just like, uh, and again, that's that, back to that ticket to ride thing. If you don't complete your ticket, you lose points. The, uh, I think, have you done build as the final action? Yeah, well, we, t- we talked about build at the start. The one thing we haven't talked about is demolishing, which uh, is demolish, a pretty fair right. action. 
but uh, occasionally you might take it if you, because you've got a limit on the number of attractions in your park, something comes up that's offering you bonus money if, you, if you've got an open restaurant or an open thrill ride and you don't have one, but you've already filled your park, maybe you just want to demolish one of the rides that's there and build something new. Which is so thematic because if you look at what uh, you know, Disneyland or Universal Studios or whatever do all the time is they, uh, when a new IP comes out that they want to make a lot of money out of, they just demolish something else in their park and make room for it. I think that, that happened, I think very recently that's happened to parts of uh, Disneyland um, to make way for... Seven Land Hand Disneyland Park update. That's right. (laughs) And and what they did, I think they demolished some older part of their park that wasn't really being utilised as well as as some car parks to put in uh, a new attraction. Was there many jobs lost there, Matt? I think everyone was just put landfill. Everyone was put into the landfill. Hey, so the the showcase cards fit into that park step, don't they, there? Because the showcase cards have your super attractions on them and you can play them just the same as any other park card? It's something else that you can build, like a park card, yeah. Hmm. But they cost a ton of money. Um, but they usually do. have an ongoing effect as well. It's usually a pretty funky one. Yeah. Um, so, for example, let's have a look at the gangster rides. So the gangsters have two uh, super attractions. One is called the print shop. In the print shop, uh, it tells you that at the start of every park step, you're going to get 25 coins. And at the end of every park step, you're going to lose 25 coins. So you launch money. But, hey, if you spend some of that money during your turn, you're laughing. Hmm. <laughs> the other one's called Very the dramatic. Shakedown. Shakedown's a thrill ride. Uh, once per event step, each competitor can pay you two coins for each gangster theme icon that you've got in your park. If they don't... You can choose an attraction in their park and close it, which means they're not going to get any money. Yeah. I remember using that one on Travis, actually. He wasn't too pleased when I shut his entire park down. Yeah, well, so basically, something just like walking that. up and going, yeah, see, be a shame if something awful happened in your park. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. if a nasty accident occurred here. <laughs> hey, damn wise, they look a pretty tragedy, loose. A huh? tragedy occurred. <laughs> just imagine <laughs> there's some child walking under here. Get yeah. squished. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. a gangster. All right, so what happens after the park step then, uh, Jamie? So after the park step, we're going to the guest step. Ooh. And at that point, we're going to count up the number of stars in our park. Stars are on every attraction and upgrade. And uh, we're going to get that many coins. It's pretty yeah. straightforward. Cash it in, which you can when you get the money, so you can spend it next time. That's next right. Time. And that Sometimes can be you simple. Get bonus coins off things, as we said. Mm. There's, a, there's the event every turn, which will sometimes give you bonus cash. There's also some attractions, like the Freak Show always earns an extra dollar every turn. And is that over and above your... Because uh, you've got a guest capacity to your, um, on your... On your main entry gate, uh, you can have 15 people or 15,000, 15, I guess, uh, guest capacity. I don't know what it... But the number 15, and that's, that's the right. limit your stars, of... stars... Yeah. Your stars are limited to 15. Um, you can have more than that in your park, but you're only ever going to score 15 stars worth, so 15 coins, basically. Unless you've uh, got a rule that you, can ignore that. Unless you have something that lets you ignore that or add to your capacity. Uh, yep. The jungle theme has a lot of stuff that adds to capacity. <clears throat> you can hide a lot of stuff in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so guest, guest step's done. That's right. You've got a lot of cash in your hand. And then the final part of the round is clean-up step. Correct. 
So in the cleanup, we're discarding any things that are hanging around from the event step. We're re- we're wiping out and refilling the park. Which is um, which is inter- down five cards. That, that the cleaning up the park thing is an interesting thing. So you, you you pull out six cards which sit in the marketplace in front of you, and those are the ones that you can buy or build from, and that's just for that round. And then they all get cleaned up and they go into the discard pile, and you get a new six cards drawn out in front of you, which is a good way of uh, having a look at cards, yeah. blocking other people because you can see the cards that they're looking at and so forth, like any trade row in a game. Yeah, things keep shuffling through, so you see a little bit more as well. Mm. Um, and the last thing is you pass the starting player over. Ah, that's, that always makes you Which feel good. Which is the standee. The uh, first the, player it's ticket standee. One ticket, that's right. The golden ticket. So yeah. this the, the park deck, which we're talking about, which builds this marketplace, is a mixture of all the park cards from all the different themed decks that you're playing. And, it, and there's a theme deck for every player, but you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are playing like if if you put in if there's four players you're not the ninja player or someone's not the pirate player they just sort of get a mush together don't they yeah and that's that's that's... right so you can you can build a robot gangster ride yeah uh it's uh it's not just a robot ride or a gangster ride so jamie looking at the uh the topper card the one that gives you a little bit of uh yeah, it tells so you what the strategy card. How does how do you you interpret that? How how does that fit into your style? If, let's say I, I guess you don't. If you get handed the gangster deck, and you might keep that as a reference, but it's not necessarily <laughs> dictating but I'm saying a that's play style. You don't do that. You yeah, just no. put the gangster card on the table, and you know that that's the deck that's that's performs part of the deck. Yeah, um, yeah what, what I think we didn't get we, initially, we felt like, oh, I'm playing the gangster deck. I'll I'll put this in front of me, but that's not the case. Um, no. But so the, the gangster the, card, the, the top of card gives you an idea of what the different packs do. Mm. So you can you can know. If you put in a robot and a jungle theme together, then both of those have high attraction sizes. So that's telling you that in this game, you're likely to be building a lot of tall rides. And at the end of the game, that's important. We haven't talked about the end of game scoring. Yeah. Uh, you score points not only for the money that you've got and the blueprints you've completed, but also for the height of your rides. So for every icon on a ride, uh, you're going to look it up on the chart and score a whole bunch of points. And the points go up exponentially for more icons. And it's upgrades that go on your ride. So your attraction is the thing at the bottom, and then underneath that is however many upgrades you put on there. Correct. So, um, so for example, looking at the top of card for robots, it tells me the attraction size is really big. Mm. The blueprints are worth... It's rated at 3 out of 5. So there's, there's good blueprints in there, but it's not huge points on the blueprints. Coins is one, so they're not very good at making money. And unfairness is one. So there's not a lot of stuff that really hurts other people in the robot deck. So how do we, how do we incorporate that in our strategy then? Because that, I don't think we got that to that level of understanding in, in the playthroughs that Matt and I did. Yeah, yeah look, it's not, it's not really a strategy thing. It's more of an indicator. So the yep. important thing there, I suppose, is that if you want to play a game that doesn't have a lot of take that, play the decks that don't have a lot of unfair points in them. Oh, okay. Uh, if you want to play one that's a bit more, you know, biffo and having a bit of fun with each other... Get the ninjas. Then, then absolutely pull out the ninjas, who I think have five, five. on their unfairs, on, on their unfair dial. Okay, so that's, that's, the, that's what it's for. It's just an, an, a guide. So if you're building, let's say you're not sticking to any specific theme to begin with, you're quite broad, but you do pick up robots, let's just say, and you've got a few cards that you've built a couple of attractions that lend themselves to... Uh, 
your Android theme park. Now, to compensate for the fact that it doesn't bring in a lot of um, money and is not generally unfair, you could then have gangster robots, like you've got Bender working for you, and uh, you've then all of a sudden got a high coin money generating theme park that's also really unfair. So it's like the opposite. So it's like you can compensate early on for a weaker strategy, uh, maybe more more attraction size. So a bigger attraction theme park and then compensate later by adding in those gangster elements so that you generate more money to compensate. That's right. And look, maybe, like you, maybe you also bear in mind that, you go, okay, I'm playing a couple of packs here that don't have great money income. But, hey, there's a snack seller who gives me bonus cash for the number of upgrades I've got on a ride, and these packs are good at making upgrades. Maybe that's a good purchase right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, like There's no – and I think, we, David, we found that there was no single strategy. We actually mixed it up quite a bit. We didn't stick any to any one particular type of play in the, the couple of games that we played. No, no. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of experience here, but yeah. – uh, I felt that there was a lot of scope. I could change it the next time I played. I knew immediately that I wasn't going to try and stick to the same strategy. I was going to try something else, uh, try a different combination. And I think we picked, um, I think I did the picking the first time we played and I chose vampires, pirates and robots. And then the next time we played, we immediately bought in the jungle theme, the the gangsters and the ninjas, so we had something different to play with, which created <laughs> you know, very different theme parks for each of us, uh, both One times. One of the things that's been really nice in the publishing of this game is seeing the feedback come, come through online of people going, oh, I played this once and it was really good, and then they'd post you know, a day later or two, two days later saying, I played it a second time, it was completely different. Yes. And post a couple of days later and go, I played it a third time, and it was a different game again. It's amazing. And mm. just seeing them really get into the different themes and what's exciting about them and how they mix together and the fact that it's a different game every time you play. That uh, definitely happened. With the first time we played, it was just we were playing quite friendly. And the second time we played, when Travis pulled off the gloves, it was on. You <laughs> yeah. know? After that once, I like you said. I it's all Travis's fault there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Matt and I play really nicely, but yeah, um, we play nicely together. Yeah, but Travis, Travis is trouble. Oh, man, he's a brawler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it did. It totally changed the tone of the game. How we had we started build using the take that element a lot more, which uh, added that competitiveness. But you can feel picked upon. Uh, (laughs) which is the unfair element but then it doesn't mean you don't have ways of then turning that tables back on somebody else and it's i think it's a game where you can sort of build alliances as well really yeah the usual sort of thing temporary alliances and then you you backstab later on yeah yeah, yeah. gangsters don't use your thing on me this turn i'm no good to you know get that guy he's winning (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think so i think we've talked about what we do from from there we're just like telling you know you do uh eight rounds of um Yep. Of, that we just described, and then you, you tally up your victory points uh, using the, the guides available, and, and they, there is your winner. Uh, Jamie, you've played this a lot. What, what pro tips have you got for us that you could lay upon us right now? All right, look, my pro tips, the events deck is it's almost like a separate game uh, playing the events. Yeah, You know, you, you've got to... 
you you, need, you can use those so well. Um, there's things like build free upgrades, which some upgrades are super expensive. Mm. It's it's just wonderful if you can get them on. There's things that will protect you from your opponents attacking you, which if you're winning is really really important. Um, the event deck is is key to getting the full experience out of this game. So I try agree. to try to learn it early and and learn how good it can be. I felt underdone a few times when I hadn't drawn those extra, I hadn't used part of the park steps to draw extra event cards. And then when we got round to the next round and I just drew up, drew up my, just my single one and Matt had a fistful of them. Yeah. It was just, I just sat there watching him do all these amazing things and yeah. totally set himself up for the round. One of my the, th- other, the other pro tip I'd give you is uh, you, you get dealt two super attractions at the start of the game. You don't have to commit straight away to one or the other. Uh, but it really helps if you do. You know, if you decide that this one is the one for you and this is the strategy you're going to build into, go with it, man. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's giving you all the all the clues you need for what you need to look for and build. But you have to have. This is something that we we uh, you know when we say when we miss the rule and we cheat. Uh, that's something we cheated on. Uh, Travis just came straight out of the and dropped all his cash onto his super attraction and built it straight away. But you yeah. have to have uh, five stars already in your in your uh, theme park before yeah. you can build a super attraction. And you yeah. start off with one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look enough enough about me. What do you guys got, got as pro tips? What, what what struck you after your plays? After two plays? <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's why we're coming to you, Jamie, for the pro tips. You know. <laughs> um, my. Pro, oh, yeah, it, it's it's tough after two plays to find a pro tip. But I think sleeve the cards. Um, yes, sleeve very them. much so. I mean, there is quite a, a deal of shuffling in the game, especially where you get to dive into the various, whether it's the park deck or the, actually it's mainly the discard piles uh, and you can shuffle them and put them back in any order or under the in the back in with the main deck or whatever you do with them. But anyway, so there's a lot of shuffling involved. So yes, uh, definitely sleeve them. While I think we found that the card stock was, uh, it's nice. I would like to see a linen finish. It would would have been better if it was a bit heavier. So it will respond well to it being uh, sleeved up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I say because it's not that linen finish card sleeve up. Uh, Definitely. That's my pro tip. (laughs) Hey, I I really like that's a pretty piss weak pro tip. Though. Yeah, I, I don't think I've got any pro tips uh, from from my own gameplay. play. Um, what I did like the box has got a card inlay, uh, you know, so you can um, yeah. set out the the cards in the uh, in the theme packs and they stay separate, which is great. I think. <coughs> excuse me. Guys, so look, what's your what's your verdict on unfair? Obviously, I like it. You know, I've play tested it a hundred times. I'm still playing it. I still like it. It's a great game. Yeah. I, I was immediately taken with it from the first playthrough. I thought, yeah, this is a game I can get into. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time during this month to do it. But I, I definitely would dive into this game again. And it, it, it's light uh, in tone. It's, you know, there's a bit of reading involved. So it's, it's, I guess that makes it kind of medium uh, because it is text-reliant. Um, for a deck, for a deck for builder a deck game, build. it's excellent in terms of having uh, clearly marked cards which you can separate up again and get them yes. into the separate themes and then rebuild it. You're yeah. not going to take a long time setting up and uh, packing this up. This wasn't this wasn't legendary, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, um, this was. <laughs> 
poor legendary gets picked on so much by us. Well, but that's legendary villains we played. Yeah, and we did not have villains, a good time yes. with that at all. Yeah, I'm sure the others are completely different. Maybe I don't know. This, <laughs> look, I can say that this is vastly superior to our play experience of, yeah. of legendary. It's a yeah. The, the footprint is not huge. It's nice, condensed. Everything's plain. The tableau, which is a great thing, I like the tableaus, and it's one of the things I like about um, uh, games like uh, Race for the Galaxy. You know that yeah. you're creating that tableau, so you're you're creating a narrative story right in front of you that you can follow from the inception, from the time you created the main gate to putting in your first attraction. And there's somewhat of a little bit of pride, I think, when you get a a uh, theme park that's actually working with some good synergy with, you know, you've got some good park staff, you've got some good attractions, uh, you've got some nice upgrades that give you a little bit of protection or a little bit of uh, an extra attraction power. It works. I, I felt like I was building a theme park and that's the idea of the game. And, it, and if you're thinking about it, I saw this, I saw this play tested at Gen Con in Indianapolis and uh, people's, you know, visual response to the game is immediate it's, yeah. a, it's very immediate because the, the the graphics on the presentation is beautiful and um and the playthroughs people loved it i mean i've never seen uh, so much buzz about a game so you know like the buzz that came about the kickstarter and yeah. after it and people looking forward to it it's it's real i think uh, a lot of people are going to really love this it was funny when we when we were doing the gen con demos we initially set up like a t- 10 15 minute demo for people to play and then they just asked if they could stay and play the rest of the game yeah so, right. <laughs> so it's always a nice sign and I'm really happy, actually, that you picked up on the Race for the Galaxy bit, too. One of the things that I really like about this game is that if you are a gamer already and you know you've played a few games around the block, you'll find that there's elements in this game that are really familiar and that you just sort of slip in automatically. There's yeah. bits of Race for the Galaxy. There's bits of Ticket to Ride. It is its own game, certainly, but there's enough that's familiar to you uh, to play it very easily. Mm. I really like the step reference in the center of the board, the event, tra- uh, the, the track yeah, um, with the little roller coaster going along each stage. It's a great visual reminder of what stage you're at. As far, um, as far as attracting people in, in the household, uh, yeah. 12 year old boy definitely wanted in. He's yeah. asking, Oh, are you, you're going to play the game again. and went back in again. Cause that's how his voice sounds. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but, had, uh, didn't attract the wife in at all. She just didn't 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 go for this. That's just my household. Yeah, you might yeah. have a completely different household. I hope you do, because otherwise uh, I can't believe my <laughs> wife's living in so many different places. Um, <laughs> all right, so look, there are no expansions yet. There's no digital version yet. Oh, um, but I heard an interview oh, with no Joel Finch. Version? I heard an interview with Joel Finch where he uh, inferred that there might be up to 24 expansions at some stage. Andy referenced uh, the, there, there's no iDeck, remember. Oh. <laughs> Andy talked about a, a, a deck of cards that isn't even out yet, the Aliens. Or, or we can't get our hands on it yet anyway. Yeah. It's a, yeah, so if you kickstarted the game, yeah. uh, the, only, the only Kickstarter bonus that was in there was that uh, there were these teasers from future packs. So you'd get a couple of cards which are perfectly functional. You can mix them into your game and go for it. Mm. But you got a couple of cards from Aliens, a couple of cards from Western, a couple of cards from Medieval, and a, a few others. Can you name it? Because I want to play a little game here. I want to play Guess That Theme Pack based on... Because you said it was all following the letters of the alphabet for the most part. Yeah. You know, what? Um, what is going to be for K? What do you think, David? Um, 
at the KKK. It's going to be a it's going to be a racist <laughs> white supremacist deck. Uh, personally, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Very popular in the uh, in certain areas of America among certain groups. That's what I think would happen. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see the Klingon deck where you are um, engaging in ritual combat. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that would settle better. And- yeah. I was just going to go with knights. You, you have blood wine and eat gark. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah. What about, um, well, uh, I'm just trying to think of what letters have been used. Other, other letters of the alphabet. Uh, Matt, you're a teacher. Q. Q. Oh, that would be the Q. queen deck. Where it's all about uh, Freddie Mercury and Brian May and, <laughs> yeah. and the other two guys. that know, I think <laughs> nice. it's Rob Deacon or something like that. Uh, and the other guy that no one knows his name. Okay. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Very outlandish, you know, huge attraction. Um Low on the unfairness. Okay. No blueprints. Loads of coin. What about... I, uh, look, for me, I think I'd, I'd probably make it the Quagmire deck, which your entire theme park is sunk into the swamp. Giggity, giggity. And, uh, oh, okay, different Quagmire. Right. <laughs> also, maybe Quidditch, uh, Harry Potter licensed uh, crossover. <laughs> right. What about, last one, E? Oh, I... Everything deck. It's just got all the things you like in it. Oh, that sounds like a cop-out. Um, no, my, my E deck would just be the E deck, and all cards would be soaked in ecstasy, and if you ate the card, <laughs> it just takes the game somewhere else that has never been experienced before. Uh, Might be expensive to produce. Oh, here we go. And a bit the illegal. The expensive deck. Oh, yeah, the bling deck. Hey. Or, or an Easter, Easter deck. There we go. Mm, smells like chocolate. That's right. Um, <laughs> that's, right. that's enough Have we done it? Yes, you've done your own yeah. segment now We've got, oh, you know what we've got coming up now? A fantastic uh, blob It's time for Matt's quiz Thank you again, Daniel. Oh, feel red hot after listening to some proper music. Now, what have we got? <laughs> well, we've got Matt's roller coaster of a ride quiz. Step on up, David and Jamie and listener. I've got a bunch of questions for you. Each of them is worse than points, and worse, uh, worse than points. Well, worse than worth worse some than points, points. Yeah. which you can trade in for tickets to win stupid shit at the end of the uh, quiz, like uh, stuff. I want a stuffed panda. There you go. That'll be more. That'll be guaranteed to be one more point than you actually have, meaning you need to pay another <laughs> yeah. five bucks to get in. <laughs> All right. Question one: Which of the following movies does not have a theme park ride or experience named after it? Named after it. After it. Oh, okay. Okay. Which of the following movies does not have a theme park ride or experience named after it? You know, we know that you can't research this. Thoroughly enough, because we, we know what your mistake. research skills are yeah. like. All right, go. The Italian Job, All right? Kung Fu Panda, Saw, <laughs> Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Yeah. Okay. Which of the following movies does not have a theme park ride or experience named after it? The Italian Job, Kung Fu Panda, Saw, or Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Question. How are you going, Jamie? You're right there. 
You can hear. You okay. asked him one question. Oh yeah, no, no trouble at all. Yeah, How, that's awesome. At what point in time do you think the pressure makes him fold? It was one question. <laughs> question Multiple two choice. will make you fold, I'm sure. Yeah. The first. You don't understand how hard I work on these quizzes, do you? <laughs> <laughs> the first roller coasters attached to wooden tracks appeared during the 1800s in which country? Oh. So the first roller coasters attached to wooden tracks appeared during the 1800s in which country? That's more of a general knowledge sort of question. I've just convinced myself of my answer without having anything to base it on. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really taking a leap of faith. Well, that'll be my takeaway because like in a month's time, someone will it'll come up and <laughs> I'll just remember my answer rightly or wrongly. Fair enough. Question three. Which of the following is not a real theme park? Diggerland. Ark Encounter. Loveland. Erotica Land. Oh, Kingdom of the Little People or Games World? Which of the following is not a real theme park? Diggerland, Ark Encounter, Loveland, Erotica Land. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Kingdom of the Little People or Games World? Yeah, you shouldn't say it like that. You should say Erotica Land. Erotica Land. Yeah, just leave that microphone dripping <laughs> with saliva. Which of the following is not a real theme park? Right. Question four. Which of the following roller coasters is the tallest steel roller coaster in the world? Oh, I think okay. we all know the answer to this one. Which of the following roller coasters is the tallest steel roller coaster in the world? Oh, steel one. All right. oh, That's an important fact. I don't there. know. Yeah. All right. What is it steel? <laughs> well, the answer, I guess. Uh, is it A, Red Force at Ferrari Land? I've seen a documentary on that. B, King Dakar at Six Flags Great Adventure? Or is it C, Tower of Terror in Dreamworld? Huh. And I do have some measurements here, so these are facts, baby. Anything over nine inches and no one's going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Which of the following roller coasters is the tallest steel roller coaster in the world? The Red Force, the King Dakar, the or the Tower the of Terror? Tallest. Tallest. Uh, okay. Okay, question five. This is higher or lower. In 2014, how many cases of measles were reported by park visitors to be linked to Disneyland? <laughs> so you go to Disneyland and you get measles. <laughs> yeah. How many cases in 2014, higher or lower? Uh-huh. Oh, no, that's a stupid thing. Let's just go whoever gets the closest to the number I've got. Oh, we're and I'll give you a boundary. Yeah. Okay. It's between, it's between 50 yeah. and 150. It's between 50 and 150 million. Yes. No, just <laughs> maybe. No. Yeah. Between 50 and 150 cases reportedly linked to Disneyland of measles. Okay. Now, right. Snow White is like a spotty youth. She just uses a lot of makeup <laughs> to cover up. Had. Underneath that makeup, man, she's <laughs> poxed crazy. That's yeah, what them long dresses are about, so you can't see the scars on her legs. Speaking Don't of. Don't talk about the Disney princess's pox, okay? <laughs> There's some things that are sacred, David. <laughs> I'm just saying, stay away from Snow White, because yeah, you know what you think you're getting. We all know now that, um, uh, you know, Carrie Fish or Princess Leia is now a Disney princess. Anyway, question six. So sore. <laughs> Question six. Name that park based on the following characters. Okay, so I'm going to give you some characters. You tell mm. me what the park is that they're from. Right. Uh, Mickey Mouse. Jaws. 
So you probably want to write them all down. Oh, are these all different? They're all places? different ones. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got five of them. Oh, okay. okay. So I should, yeah, write them all down. Oh, man. Mickey Mouse is the first one. Yeah, yeah. Jaws. Yeah. The Crocodile Hunter. Crocodile Hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I realize I've stuffed up this one, but I'm putting it anyway. Yeah. Epcot. Epcot. Epcot Center. Center. It could be a character. You just stuffed it up even worse. I know. I just stuffed it up even worse. What did you say? Epcot Center? Where's the answer? Epcot Center what? No, the Epcot Center. Like where, what park is it in? Oh, oh. God. Epcot Park? <laughs> and the last one is Dizzy Lamb. Dizzy, Dizzy Lamb. Yeah. What park is it in? Yeah. What park is it in? And what, you know, what uh, theme park is it in? Uh, Matt's quiz. <laughs> You're sick of it too. <laughs> question Finally. seven. Finally. Oh, I can't believe I stuffed that one Shit, up. So question seven, the last one. Rank the following three theme parks in order from least expensive to most expensive to visit. Okay. So rank them. Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Walt Disney World. Universal Studios in Florida. Disneyland, California. So these are the three most expensive theme parks to visit. Yeah. But can you rank them in order from least expensive to most expensive? Oh, okay. Least, right. least, least to most, least you said. To most. I remember least that. Least to most. So Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, or Disneyland. All right. Disneyland. All right. Jamie. Well, you've done okay there, Matt, because I managed to get an answer Ooh, for everything. That's awesome. Yeah. You you were nervous about I'm it. I'm in the game. I'm always nervous about your quizzes. You know that. <laughs> I'm very excited to get to hear the theme tune and everything from there. It's a downhill slide <laughs> on the wrong side of the roller coaster. <laughs> that's it. it yeah. Without any safety harness. Yeah. You're All on the right. merry-go-round that has the ungreased cog in it and you're just expecting <laughs> your unicorn to go flying off into the candy floss stand. I'm the guy with the uh, selfie stick riding on the, on the uh, roller coaster that sticks it out just a little bit too far. Yeah. And gets decapitated. All right. Question one, the answer. Which of the following movies does not have a theme park ride or experience named after it? David? Well, I have to go for Saw, even though I'd love to see that. My backup one's Italian job, by the way, but I'm going for Saw. Okay, Jamie? I am desperately hoping that the answer is Saw. (laughs) That'd be a great ride. Well, let me tell you, the Italian job is a family roller coaster at King's uh, King's Dominion. Oh, okay. Kung Fu Panda is the pandemonium air race at Dreamworld. They had to have that one, didn't they? Saw, unfortunately for you guys, has a live-action horror maze at a place called Thorpe Park. They just lock oh, you in a room yeah. with a bloodied corpse. <laughs> so the answer is Pirates of the Caribbean, because the movie was based on the ride that opened in Disneyland in 1967. See, there's a trick question within Matt's quiz. Yay! No, that's, that's not a trick question. That's a mad question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell it is because I'm walking away from it with that feeling of, you know, disdain and, like, I despair. I and don't I... feel like I did anything wrong and I still failed. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> question two. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> the f- first roller coasters attached to wooden tracks appeared during the 1800s in which country, Jamie? Uh, I'm pretty sure that they were designed for Russia by Catherine the Great. What do you think there? France. David? The answer was France. Uh, He's yeah. taken one away. Nice. Yes. The first wooden tracks uh, appeared in the 1800s. But funny enough, Jamie, you're actually you're close to my fact here. Is roller coasters of a more primitive type 
have been around since the 16th, 17th century, and initially they were made from ice in Russia. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, knew, I knew there was something there about Russia. But I did say nice. wooden tracks, so France yeah, is the answer. Good. Yeah. yeah, well done there, David. Yeah, no worries. Question three, which of the following is not a real theme park? Is it Diggerland? Cannot be Diggerland. I hate no Ark Encounter, <laughs> Loveland, Erotica Land. That sounds horrible. That sounds creepy more than... Oh, we've all been to Erotica Land, haven't we? Kingdom of the Little People yeah. and Games World. What do you think there, no, I'm David? going for Games World because it sounds like a crap name. They deserve to go out of business if that's what it's called. Jamie, what do you think? I'm going to go with Diggerland. Okay. Well, <laughs> Diggerland is actually in Kent, Devon, Durham, yeah. and Yorkshire. And it's based on uh, Englanders' love of JCB products. Oh, all right. So it's actually, you can go there and dig, use diggers and things to, to turn do earth. stuff. I oh, think okay, it's just cool. turf, yeah. Um, the Ark Encounter is a biblical theme park in Williamstown, oh, Kentucky. The Ark. Right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Loveland is in South Korea, and it apparently has 140 sculptures, some of which are interactive. Uh, of, of something, male genitalia? Is that, is that the one? Oh, what scares me is the fact that a hun- some of them are interactive. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's the only way to have them, really, isn't it? And Erotica Land is in Brazil, and I love this quote Whoa. from the guy who owns it. Uh, this won't be a place for nuns. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote. The Huffington Post has never led me wrong, that, I'm sure. Is that your Brazilian accent? How did it go I think again? so. This won't be a place for nuns. I think that's Mexican. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I've just offended a bunch of people. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, we love all of our Brazilian <laughs> and Mexican listeners. Hello, how are you? In fact, hola. 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 I know. Hola my, back. My, my phone never speaks to me. <laughs> Kingdom of the Little People is in China, and you must be shorter than four foot three to work there. Oh, I think uh, Carl Pilkinson went there once. <laughs> no, no, he did. I think on one of the. Um, maybe I'm, I'm making it up now. Meaning, I, David. Oh, did I get another one right? Games World is not a real theme park. Oh, it's good. a chain of game stores. Yes, correct. Australia. All right. It could have been. Yeah. Question four. Which of the following roller coasters is the tallest steel roller coaster in the world? Jamie, what did you have as an answer? I had Kinder Car because that's an awesome sounding thing. What did you have there, David? <laughs> well, I think that Ferrari one that I watched the documentary on was something to do with the fastest one because they accelerate you out of the start like a like an F1 racer. I think that's what that one's about. So I just had to go for What was the Tower one? The Tower thing? Tower of Terror in Dreamworld. It's got Tower in the name. Sounds tall. Tower of Terror. Well, you'd be wrong. Ah. And Jamie, you'd be right. King Dakar at Six Flags Great Adventure Park is 139 metres tall. The yeah. uh, Tower of Terror tall. in Dreamworld is a, only 115 metres tall. And then the Red Force at Ferrari Lane is 112. Yeah. Still no one's got tall. any business going up that high. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm not a big fan of no. theme park rides. No, me neither. I've never, like, I don't think I've been on a roller coaster ride ever, and I never will. Terrified. That's like 95 Jamie's tall. That is tall. <laughs> the only one I've really been on multiple times, I did the Lethal Weapon ride at uh, Movie World, and that was a lot of fun. But that's the only one I've ever felt good about. <laughs> Speaking of feeling good about things, here's Thanks. question five. Thanks for bringing us you up You didn't feel like it. you were too old for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, question five. How many cases of measles were reported in 2014 by park visitors to be linked to Disneyland. And the answer needed to be between 50 and 150 cases. Oh, David, damn. how many? Oh, um, 83, I meant to say. 
Okay, Jamie. I said 113. The answer was 127, Jamie, oh, Jamie. your closest. Whoa. 127 people went to Disneyland having hoping to have a, a magical time and then walked away with measles. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Okay, name that park. This is the one I totally stuffed up. Name that park based on the following character. Mickey Mouse. Where would you expect to find Mickey Mouse? Jamie. Disneyland. Where do you think, David? Disneyland. Yes. Jaws. David. Universal. Jamie. Universal Studios. Universal is correct. The Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> Jamie. The Australia Zoo. What do you think there, David? Yeah, I've got Australia Park. I didn't know what it was called. Australia Whoa. something. Park of Australia, Zoo of Australia. I'll Cro- give you half a point. For me? Yeah. Oh, is it point. Zoo? Is that what it's called? Zoo. Australia, Australia Zoo. Zoo. Yeah, yeah. See, that's very presumptuous. Uh, the, this is one I stuffed up. The Epcot Centre is at where? Because it's not a character. It's a ride. Who are you asking? Me? You, yes, I, David. I, I don't know. Apple, Ep- Epcot Park. I, I, I recognise the name. I don't know what Epcot Centre is. What is do it you think? NASA or something like that? No, it's not NASA. No. It's at Walt Disney World in Orlando. It is in Walt Disney World. You're right there, Dave, uh, Jamie. Uh, and last one, Dizzy Lamb is a character at where? I'll give it back to you, David. Oh, isn't that? Oh, I, 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 I jokingly put El Cabello Blanco. Remember that place that used to be? Yeah, there yeah, with the, the horses, <laughs> the dancing horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's, it, it's not there. No. Did, like, they had some thrill rides of sorts before they just disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. Uh, where do you I'm, think, Jamie? I'll, I'm going to say Dizzy Lamb Park, I've, though. I've got no clue at all, but I figured that um, maybe there's a Shaun the Sheep theme park somewhere. Well, Let's say there. <laughs> tell you what, the local knowledge has it, uh, David. It's Disneyland Park, which again is no longer around. Yeah, we don't do theme. We don't do excitement in WA anymore. No, in theme parks. No, no not interested. <laughs> no. No. They just have, have, to you, have you been to Adventure World lately? Uh, no. Every year, my family goes with my brother because my brother's right into all of that shit. Uh, me, I'm not. I'll stay at home and stay inside <laughs> where the shade is. Yeah, I haven't been there for a while. Yeah. Uh, question seven. <laughs> Rank the following three theme parks in order from least expensive to most expensive. So the least expensive park to visit is, Jamie? Uh, let's go with complete guess and say Disneyland. David? I went with Universal as my least. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to score this one. You yeah. just tell me. Why don't you tell me your list, uh, Jamie, from so least to most. Disneyland is least, then Disney World, then Universal is the most. I've got. I think I've got it the other way around. I've got Universal, Walt Disney World, or whatever you called it, and then Disneyland California. Okay. So I realise that is a hard one to score this one, but the We're both first wrong. <laughs> just make it Walt right. Disney World is the least expensive. Okay. Uh, Universal Studios is the second yep. least expensive, and Disneyland is the most expensive. Well, I think we can all agree, no one gives a shit, so let's just move on from this segment yeah. and do some neats and toys. To be honest, <laughs> all three of them were pretty close in price. The ticket yeah. through US dollars, we're speaking here, is around about uh, $85 per person to get through the gate. And you didn't say ticket price either, you said most expensive. So you could yep. walk in there and completely blow it with a, a $20 uh, candy floss or fairy floss or whatever exactly. you call it. What did you call it? Candy, candy floss. Candy floss, yeah. right. Locked in. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, dear listener, is Matt's the segment quiz. with the awesome theme song and the not-so-awesome Matt's Quiz. Oh, oh well, come on. No. I worked hard on this one. No, I didn't. I, worked, I liked it, actually. I it was good. Hard. This was a good one. All right, let's, end it. let's just end it there. <laughs> Blob it. It's Nathan Twoo! 
Ah, that's the uh, Sound of Music version of Neats and Twos coming in from Hurstful there. Um, we've got, uh, what are we going to do? A bit of news first, I suppose, top of Neats and Twos. It's probably already happened by now, but uh, Good Games Cannington... Uh, you mean it certainly definitely has happened by yeah, now? Yeah, but this, this should come out on off by Monday. We're recording pre-weekend. There's a 24-hour challenge where Kai, our friend from the Magic version of Seven Land Hand, is going to be up 24 hours. We're going to pop in every now and again and take photos of him and, and poke him yeah. and see what happens <laughs> as he uh, sleep deprives himself and plays games for 24 hours. As Seven Land Hand, we do on a first fundraiser, raising money for Beyond Blue. So that's it. Hopefully that Worthy all goes course. well. It's yeah. We think it's a natural fit. Uh, our logo is blue. Beyond Blue is blue. Um, games, a natural opposition to feeling depressed because it fills you full of joy. So Some of them. Match made in heaven. Yeah, except for... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's happened. So, uh, yeah. yeah, sort of a retrospective uh, thanks to everyone that got, gets involved with that and hopefully we make through it and it's all good fun. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, eh? Well, put it this way, if even we raised, we raised $1, we did our job. Yeah, I'm just hoping that we raise more money than it costs Beyond Blue to send us the, uh, the, the cardboard boxes and the advertising posters. If that happens, all good. There you go. Yeah. Um, all right. So, game of the month uh, this this month is unfair because we've been talking as we've been talking about, and we can get your usual ten percent off unfair at any good game store by stating this month's password, fellas. Helter Skelter. Uh, at any good game store, do it. Uh, but uh, while the city cards are fair. You know, this lasts only for the month of May, so after that, might get unfair, Ooh. then you're back to the regular price. So you've still got decent. like four weeks, actually there's five weeks in May, so... Oh, extra week of Helter yeah, Skeltering. Week. Isn't that a bonus? Yeah, and if 10% is still not enough, you can go win it as per usual. Uh, just do that by commenting on the Facebook post for episode 92. There's been some crackers this month on theme. It's not a bad idea to go on theme, it keeps everyone yeah. laughing, gives someone to, people to react to. Us something to respond to. Yeah, uh, this post, we've got it pinned to the top of the Seven Land Hand Facebook page, and one commenter will be randomly chosen by Good Games HQ of this month's uh, Joel Finch's Unfair. Yes. Uh, and you know, we have... Oh, I loved this month was Brennan you... uh, White posted up this picture of Batman on the cover of the Arkham game, uh, playing, a, playing a pun on, on Arkham Asylum, which appears in Batman. I went and did a bit of research, just for anyone interested. Arkham yeah. Asylum first appeared in 1974. It was created by Denny O'Neill, and he has confirmed in several places that uh, he was inspired by Lovecraft in doing so. Well, there you go. What by calling it Arkham? No one knew that because even though it was called Arkham, what was which one was that? Arkham Horror. That's uh, so Arkham Asylum in Ar- Batman. Oh, okay. His name for the city of Arkham. Yeah. From Lovecraft. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would imagine <laughs> so. Uh, who else have we got on the popular comments this month? I've got, uh, now I'm really going to apologize if I get the name wrong, but it's Eshwa Rajagopalan. I hope I got that right, or no, at least in the proximate ballpark. Well done. I, uh, I, you did. Who wrote an epic, epically long. It's an, I, I'm th- Seriously, we should probably look into publishing this. Uh, <laughs> it's huge. And I, I, I can't possibly read it, but it has lines such as, Nothing. I've never done anything. Or she's probably just gone to play in the ducks again. There's just some samples of, of this this thing. Oh, it was a tease, was it, Matt? <laughs> That's a tease. A Go and read it. Um, so, Eshwa, well done. And I think he's a local, Perth local, I think. I'm not I sure. Have, I have no idea. I haven't Facebook stalked him or anything. 
My, my, I got very excited when I saw that Christopher Lackey of the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast had actually joined our competition this month. That was, That's so wow. cool. That is very exciting. Although his, his uh, comment was very uninspiring. He just went, I really want to get my hands on this game, exclamation <laughs> mark. And this guy's a writer, and I can't believe he's gone so brief and used an exclamation mark. And so that's sad, sad, Chris, but also fantastic. He, he did explain in his comments as well that, uh, you know, maybe he was feeling a bit down by the number of Arkham games he owns but wasn't able to play. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like you you feel the need to play them all, but there's just no time, and and all and your friends don't always want to play the horror games. It was a lovely yeah. chat there on there. Just like the awesome. answer is get better friends. <laughs> yeah, wearing dark mascara and black nail polish is always a hint that they might be up for the art and stuff. Um, uh, I've got one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost a, sort of an apology, but maybe not quite. But uh, Greg Carlos, who we shouted out a couple of pods ago, yeah. Uh, As we are with these people right now who are all eligible for their uh, badges. I made efforts to send him a badge and those efforts were not rewarded because the badges came back to me because of a blunder on my behalf. So, Greg, you've been supremely patient and I will seven-hand deliver that badge to Rockingham, and you could probably go and collect it from there. Oh, the Rockingham Good Game Store, you the mean? Rockingham Good Game Store. No, just, just, I was going to leave it on the Rockingham just Forge. Just drive sure. down to Rockingham, throw uh, it out the window as you drive through. Probably at Sunsets, because uh, I had a really good meal there the other day, and it was good service, so I might leave the badge with them. Oh, no, I don't know. So look, all those people were wonderful, but I have the envelope here with the winner's name in. Let me just... Uh... Well, hang on. Does, does Greg Carlos actually get an, a second Sevenland hand badge now because he's been mentioned twice? Can we do that? I guess. Greg, we're going to send you two badges. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which one did you get the first time around? Uh, advertising tool. Advertising tool. Oh, may I recommend the hot gar badge or the uh, hot badge? Uh, sorry, the, the um, charging badger podcast uh, badge. We've only got a few of those. Well, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to liaise with him and let okay, him let him choose. choose. Oh, yeah. what a guy! All right, uh, back to you with the envelope there, Jamie. Who's right? So here we go. I've got the envelope. And it says the winner is Moonlight. No, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, the winner is oh, Brennan yeah. White. <laughs> Was that Brennan White, did Ooh, you say? That is Brennan White. Who? Right, rhymes with Moonlight. That's awesome because uh, you shouted out one of his, his comment before and he's actually know, won. Brennan. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Well, well done, Brennan. He actually had two, uh, two comments. I don't think that increases his chances of no, winning. No, it didn't. Because you, no. you only get your name in the hat once. But, uh, he was uh, on his other comment... Uh, Brennan chimed in with, uh, well, damn, every month I'm excited to maybe win the game. Disappointed when I don't, then I see the next month's game, and I just get excited all over again. What a time to be alive. Man. <laughs> so he has no reason to um Now he can play the one way. Down. He's won, and then next month he can enter again. Because you can enter as many times as you want, folks. You can just keep on banging it out. It's all kind of random. Everyone gets chosen out of the hat. That's so uh, he, could win it ne- he could win it for the next six months at, uh, consecutively. Grossly unfair to everyone else, yeah. but that's it, the it way happen. random it could, it chance works. And then we'd call this the Brennan White segment. <laughs> you know what you can't do for the next six months consecutively? What's that? Go and break this on iTunes. Because you can only do that once, but we'd really like you to do it that once. Just go and give us a bunch of stars and tell people what you think of us. Yeah, Especially that's true. Especially if it's a nice thing. Yeah, we that's should try it. and get a bit more of a, an iTunes um, vibe going, shouldn't we? We haven't really... Um, it makes us pop noticed. out, I think. So, yeah, if you go in there, give, I'll give go us a nice on. rating. Mm. Uh, maybe even leave a nice comment. That'd be great. It makes it pop out a little bit more to other people who are searching for, for that podcast that they need. 
that we are, are wanting to supply to them. Tell your friends to jump on and like the Facebook page as well. Get them to enter all the competitions, and that way you've got more chances to have it in your playgroup. <laughs> we are tired of being teased with these uh, 493s oh, and yeah, come this on. bouncing number. We're get us the 500 likes. 500. Come on. Yeah, just number. get your mum to like it, you know. <laughs> get anybody. Let's get past 500. It's like a, it's like this thing just hanging around our necks, dragging us down. That's it. You should see Matt's got all like like a scoliosis and like a kyphosis. He's, his back's knackered just it from is, the weight of yes. there not being 500 likes. And then every time we one gave disappears. Away 300, didn't we? Maybe we should give away another one at 600. Come well, on, guys. 600. Get us there. What are we going to give away? A game. Of, uh, 600 a game magic that's... cards, randomly chosen. No, a game. We'll give, a, we'll give away a game at six hundred. That's not bad, man. Then we could charge through the five hundred. So we'll get us past the five hundred. Yeah, get your mum on board. Get her to like it. And we'll choose a name out of the hat and we'll give away a game at, at six hundred likes. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Right, we've decided. Yeah, right, who's going to pay? We'll for even it? pick one that your mum likes. Well, Jamie, got, Jamie, 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 one open game somewhere. Stash, no, no, Jamie, 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 will pay Jamie? For it. Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. fine. Moving right along. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So if you got mentioned today, uh, yeah, please get in touch on podcast at sevenlandhand dot com and uh, say, yeah, I would love to get one of my Sevenland Hand badges. You got your advertising tool, hot garbage, charging badger podcast, and I'm not sending out any more of the few hypermagic nerd badges no. because they're classics now. That could um, be a collector's item. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and leave any comments on any of our Facebook posts and get involved. You know, it's just, it's just good fun for us to interact, have a bit of fun. And you guys talk to each other, you know, yeah. just put a post on there and just leave it at that. We're starting to get a bit of um, people posting yeah. other people's stuff. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Helps you get through the working day. Have a bit of a giggle, you know. That's it. All right. So, uh, um, next fortnight, David, what are the fog haters up to? The, uh, the Fog Haters are up to more MTG Armanket goodness. Uh, we've just done the post pre release. Well, we've just done pre release, so this will be a post pre release show. Um, we've uh, all been cracking our pre release packs over last weekend. That was a pretty intense weekend. A lot of people, a lot of playing, a lot of, a lot of pyramid yeah. stuff. Did you get in on any of them, Matt? I didn't, no, see, I didn't no, see you down no, there. I didn't. Huh? No, no, I stayed away. I, I'm, uh, it's Travis, such a cool set, though. Yeah, yeah Travis did a couple. Beautiful. You know, you know, you know. Travis drew a uh, masterpiece at his second pre-release, which is, you know, is a, it's, a, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing all at the same time. Good thing because, hey, it's a masterpiece. Bad yeah. thing is now he's going to be hooked. No, no, now he has to look at it because oh. it's friggin' ugly. But, you know. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it not an impressive one? It's, oh, they're pretty not ugly. A pretty one. Oh, oh, haven't okay. you seen these? No, I haven't. Oh, you've got to have a look at these cards. Look at a masterpiece from Kaladesh. It's like beautiful. You go, wow, they're really top-notch gold flashy. Ooh, nice oh. art. They've shrunk the art down and they put this blocky garbage around it and then made the card title something that you can't read because they're blending it with the hieroglyphics to be clever. <laughs> okay. oh, I really love them. I oh. really love the invocations. No surprises think... there, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like all the good things in Magic and you guys don't. Yeah. I don't. Um, have we got a game for next month? You know, we have, and we have to put on some silly accents to talk about it because that's Isle of Sky. The Isle of Sky. I'm not oh, going to do man. bad Scottish accents like you two just did because I have a lot of Scottish friends who tune yeah. in. Oh, and, Andrew. Uh, I, I mean, no offence, Andrew. It's oh. all right. You come with a bad English accent to start with. Oh, <laughs> goodness only knows what my accent is these days. So. It makes me want to watch Highlander all over again. What, my accent? No, no, Highlander. <laughs> no, just Isle of Sky. See <laughs> <Say> your accent. <laughs> Isle of Sky next month. Oh, that'd be exciting. Isle of Sky. And, and uh, Matt's already got that I for got his it. birthday. And we, we've unboxed it already. We've unboxed it already, so we're already ahead it's of the game. Played quite a few times now. I'm I'm a 
I'm not going to bury the lead, but I'm a bit of a fan. No, well, there you go. Review's already Where done. Where are you not a fan, Jamie? I don't think we've found a game yet that you're not a fan of. I'm no, desperate we haven't to... done reviewing Pandemic yet. <laughs> oh, I'm desperate to do a shit games month. That'd be great, wouldn't it? And I go, you can get 10% off this, but I wouldn't because it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> games so bad, we'll give you 20% off. Yeah, Actually, that, that's probably likely to lift our uh, likes rating to well out to 600, just what, to just find the... out what the shit game is going the, to be. Just the angry episode. Yeah, the that. angry episode. Down to like 100 up. Hey, comment comment on facebook.com uh, forward slash seven land hand. Tell us what your shittest game is. Looks like let's start a thread. Let's do it. Oh, and there'll be a. Um, I didn't do one last month, but there'll be a uh, a poll. All right. To do with theme parks. Okay. Uh, with that, I think we're I'd done. Like to say good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Don't take that selfie stick on that roller coaster. Oh, his head just came <laughs> off. <laughs>